Our Bibles open to Galatians chapter 3, please. Galatians chapter 3. <clears throat> Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Let me give this preface. <clears throat> Excuse me. We've been studying the book of Galatians and preaching from it during the last few weeks. And you remember that Paul, the apostle, visited the churches of Galatia on each of his missionary journeys, first, second, and third. It was the first missionary journey where he founded these churches. He established them. Then later on other missionary journeys, he went back and visited the churches and talked with them and so on. One of the great themes of the Apostle Paul was, we're saved by grace through faith. Nothing added, nothing subtracted. Now all the disciples knew the same thing. They're, they called a Jerusalem conference in the 15th chapter of Acts to settle that matter. Paul had been preaching, people had been saved, and believe it or not, they'd been saved without becoming a Jew first. And the Judaizers, that is the legalists who said you're not saved by grace alone, you have to add some works to it. You have to be saved by grace plus the works, and you have to become a Jew before you can become a Christian. And so they called the Jerusalem conference to settle that matter. They all went up to Jerusalem. They heard what Paul had preached, and they added nothing to it. They gave him the right hand of fellowship, and the church settled once and for all that were saved by grace through faith. However, the persistence of the Judaizers carries over to this very day. There are folks who would have us believe that you're saved by grace through faith plus baptism, plus the works of the law, plus meeting on Saturday instead of Sunday, plus tithing your income, plus this and that and the other. This matter was settled. And the Judaizers had come into the churches of Galatia where Paul had been preaching and told them that Paul didn't know what he was talking about. Because all, all of the early Christians were Jews, they assumed that you had to become a Jew to be a Christian. And so they were telling them, you must be circumcised, you must do this and you must do that and keep the law. And so Paul wrote the book of Galatians to answer all of that. It was a church in Lystra, a church in Derby, a church in Lyconium, and uh, all the other churches in Asia Minor uh, that were grouped in the middle section of that called Galatia. And in this, <clears throat> Paul outlines very, very clearly for us today and for them at that time concerning the law. And it was read a little while ago as Brother, uh, Brother Daniel Sexton read this. Listen to this. Is, verse 21, is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up, under the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster 
to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Now in the uh, setting of the Greco-Roman world at that time, <clears throat> a schoolmaster was a tutor. And he was employed a, as a faithful servant to take care of a boy from childhood to puberty, to, care, to be sure he didn't get into any physical harm or spiritual harm, to help him with his studies, to help him with his environment, to help him with his uh, 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 entertainment things and so on. And that person was very, very important. <clears throat> but when that child came into years of maturity, he didn't need a, a schoolmaster any longer. Now Paul says the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Please understand this. <clears throat> the law has not been thrown away or abrogated. It is still God's expectation of holiness. If you turn to Exodus chapter 20, <clears throat> we'll look at the law that was given. Now there were three laws that were given, and these were the commandments that we call the Ten Commandments. They're in Exodus 20. The judgments in Exodus 21. The ordinances in Exodus 24. And what the Judaizers were saying, you have to keep all these things. And they involve ceremonial laws and so on. We're just going to look at one area tonight, the commandments. <clears throat> now, they were saying, in order to be saved, you have to live by the Ten Commandments. I've witnessed to people who say, I'll just live by the Ten Commandments. Have you ever met somebody who said that? Those poor people. Listen to what the Ten Commandments demand of you and see if anybody can pass the test tonight. Number one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. How many of us have sometimes put money ahead of God? We put a job ahead of God. We put our children ahead of God. We put our job, we, we put our pleasures ahead of God. We put our money ahead of God. We've done all kinds of things to break that first commandment. So we flunk on that one. Look at the second commandment. <clears throat> In uh, verse 4, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the sea, under the earth. One of the reasons Baptists do not have images in the church is that very commandment right now, right there. We do not make brave, gra graven images. But you just think of the graven images everywhere. You go into the work in Texas and Mexico, South Texas and Mexico, and you see all these churches with all the, the statues and people coming in and kneeling before them and bowing before them. God says not supposed to do that. <clears throat> Thirdly, look in verse 7. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. I'd say there are very few people who have not disobeyed that commandment. You may not curse, you may not swear, but do you take the name of Jesus lightly? Do you find it easy to profane holy things? We've broken that commandment. Look in verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Well, the Jewish Sabbath was on Saturday. And the Jews kept that day. 
but it was a sign or a symbol to a whole world when they would say, why don't you go to work on Saturday? They'd say, because I serve the God who made the whole world in six days and rested on the seventh. It was a witness to the greatness of the Creator. When Jesus died and rose again, He arose on the first day of the week, that was Sunday. And the early Christians began to meet on Sunday. The first worship service was on Sunday night. Thomas wasn't there. Second worship service was the next Sunday night. They were so excited on Sunday morning, they didn't have time to go to worship services. Nowadays, it's strange some churches would rather have a Sunday morning service and not have anything on Sunday night. Convenient Christianity. So you can go home and watch your television or go to the movies or whatever else you want to do, play games and go see your neighbors and go see your loved ones and so on. That's convenient Christianity. But the Scripture says, remember that day to keep it holy. That's the Lord's day, not to be defiled, but to do things that honor Christ. Many of you who are involved in serving in the Lord here know that you go almost with your tongue hanging out on Sunday. You get up early. Jo Johnny confessed a while ago that he was tired. I don't know whether he stayed for the service or left. Is he Johnny in here somewhere? That's what I thought. But anyway, he said, I'm tired. What do you mean? Well, he got up at 5 o'clock, got all the buses ready to go on the bus, went out and picked up the bus kids, came back, taught a Sunday school class, came back and preached in the Compassion Chapel, ate a quick hamburger and ran out to Riverside, picked up people for that service, had the Sunday school and then the service. Then he took them home. Then he tried to get back in time for training union and evening service. No wonder he's tired. But I guarantee he spent all day honoring the Lord, serving the Lord. Thank God for that. Many of you have done the same thing. <clears throat> but you see, this law about the Sabbath and Sunday do not mean that if you keep that perfectly, you'll go to heaven. These are only schoolmasters to remind us of how much we need something else because we're not keeping it. Look in verse 12, honor thy father and thy mother. How many of us have never disobeyed or dishonored mother and dad? Verse 6, thou shalt not kill. Actually what it's saying is thou shalt do no murder but Jesus said, if you have hatred in your heart against your brother, it's just like murder. And how many Christians have, have animosity and resentment in our hearts against other people? Look at verse 14. Thou shalt not commit adultery. That has to do with sexual purity. Verse 8, verse 15. Thou shalt not steal. And on and on and on. Those are the commandments. And the Judaizers were saying, look here. If you're going to trust Christ, that's all well and good, but you have to keep the law too, or else you're not in heaven. And this is where Arminianism started. Arminianism says you can be saved today and lost tomorrow and saved the next day and lost two or three days later, and you can be saved again and lost again because they do not understand that we're saved by grace through faith. We're not saved by what we do. We're not saved by holding out true to the end. We're not saved by being baptized. We're not saved by keeping the law. The law was a schoolmaster to bring us to a sense of our need. Paul said one day, if the law had not said thou shalt not lust, I wouldn't know it was wrong to lust. But now forever, it is written in the heart of man, God's law is there 
And these laws in the heart of man bring us to know there's something wrong in our lives. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of that sin is death, separation from God forever. So, ladies and gentlemen, the law is a schoolmaster, a school teacher, to bring us to a need, our sense of need of something we don't have. We've broken the law. We've defiled God's law. We have not kept the ceremonial laws. We have not kept the health laws. We have not kept any of those laws. Oh, we may try. And certainly we need to make these Ten Commandments our lifetime goals. And I don't think there's any blessing to the person that goes along and say, well, I can't keep the commandments, so I'll just break all of them. Remember, these commandments were given not as a plan of salvation, but a plan of God's holiness. That's what they are. They list the holiness of God. This is what God expects. Well, who was ever able to keep those Ten Commandments? Who never sinned? There was only one. His name is Jesus. He came from the glory of the Father. He was tempted in all points like we're tempted, and yet without sin. And so he went to the cross. And on the cross, he bore my sins and your sins. All of our sins were put on him. And he offers a pardon. From the throne of the cross, he holds out his hand and says, Come, come, come. And whosoever will, let him come. And he that heareth, say, Come. And let the bride say, Come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. 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 Beloved, you're not more saved because you live close to God than you were before, before you trusted Christ. You're, you're saved because you've trusted Christ. Nothing else. Nothing added to it. Nothing subtracted from it. It's all of grace. You say, well, then does that give us a license to sin? God forbid. In the Greek it says, meganoito. Meganoito. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer in it? Our baptism teaches that we have died to an old life. We've been buried to that old life. We've been raised to walk a new life with Christ. The law was a schoolmaster. We have something better now. Since we've been saved, we have the Holy Spirit inside of our hearts. And in 1 John chapter 2, you have an anointing of the Spirit, so you don't really have to have anybody teach you. You don't have to have a schoolmaster. The Holy Spirit is inside when you receive Christ. Technically, when you get saved, what happens is the Spirit of God comes rushing into your life like the wind of God, and He fills you with His joy and His peace and His pardon, and He writes your name in heaven. And he says, I'm going to be here and I'll never leave you nor forsake you. A mother may forsake her little baby, but I'll never forsake you. My friend, if you've received Christ as your Savior, he's there. You may grieve him. In Ephesians 4.30, 
Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby we are sailed into the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. The days of our schoolmasters are over. If you're saved. The schoolmaster was the law that made us aware of something we didn't have. And then Jesus came. And he who knew no sin became the accursed thing of sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Christ in you is the hope of glory. And when Christ dwells in you, we have the answer to today's Judaizers. Now I believe that God's Holy Spirit will lead us to look at other scriptures like Romans 12. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. That's not a plan of salvation. That's a plan of service. Present your body to the Lord, holy, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world. Don't let Hollywood and television, all those things, set the standards for your life. If you're saved, if Christ the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, then present your body to the Lord. Or in Hebrews chapter 12, Wherefore, seeing we are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Little old weights in our lives. Little old petty sins. Let us lay aside all those little old things that we don't need any longer. And the sin which doth so easily beset us. See, that's not a plan of salvation. It's a plan of service. It says, here's what you're to do after you get saved. You don't need a schoolmaster. The Holy Spirit inside relates that to you, and he gets it, he digs it right out of the Word of God and puts it in your heart as you read it and as you study it. And on and on we could go, and that precious Holy Spirit inside is the earnest of our inheritance that one day when this body lies down in death or the Lord comes the second time, we're going to go be with him, and we'll be with him forever. Oh, how wonderful to think about heaven and to think of the joy of being in a land where no evil thing cometh to despoil what is fair and where Jesus is waiting to welcome us there. I just ask you tonight, are you past the schoolmaster? Are you past thinking in your mind, I've got to do this and this and this and this in order to stay saved? Or can you say that was a schoolmaster to bring me to my knowledge of a need? And now I've put my faith in Christ. And I have Jesus in my heart. He leads the way. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for the truths of the Word of God. That we don't have the schoolmaster any longer. That law was a reminder to us that we needed something we didn't have. It was a schoolmaster. It was a tremendous teacher. But now that we've trusted Christ, we have a new teacher, the Holy Spirit inside. Oh, God, help us to walk with the Lord in the light of his word and to know the glory he sheds on our way. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please. Pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. Number 361, 361.
The invitation is very simple. If you're here tonight and you're not sure you're saved, you're not positive, your name is written in heaven, would you come to him tonight just like you are? God help you to do that. If you're saved, are you letting the new teacher inside of us teach us all things? Bring to our remembrance what Jesus said. Have we given him our body? Are we looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith? Are we laying aside the weights and the sin that doth so easily beset us? Are we walking with him? You do what God tells you to do. Some maybe need to come and kneel at the altar or commit your life to Christ or come and just pray together with us. Whatever God has said to you, do it tonight while we wait.